Thanks for tuning in to the Health Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Richie Kerwin, and today I'm going to be speaking with my good friend, Philly Kinsella. Philly is a personal trainer and online nutrition coach, and he's currently completing his master's degree in food, nutrition, and health at University College Dublin. His passion is helping people achieve their body composition goals while actively trying to educate them on the long-term health benefits of physical exercise and adequate nutrition. Let's talk science. Philly, how are Richie, you Richie, I'm very good. How are you, sir? Great, man. Uh, thank you for uh, joining me tonight, finally. Um, it took me a while to get you on you here. You finally got hold of me. You got me, eventually. Um, I apologize that I couldn't make the live, but here we are now. Just don't forget, and don't forget to send me my fee afterwards, that's all. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the brown envelope is, uh, is in the post. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, uh, I tried to get Philly on for a live. Could, we couldn't make it work out a while back, but uh, now I finally managed to get him on, so uh, delighted to have you here. Um, Philly, for, for anybody who might not uh, know you, um, would you mind giving us a, a little bit of introduction as to, to who you are and uh, what you do? Uh, yes, well, uh, Philly Kinsler is my name, and I suppose my brand name or my company that I work under is Strong Body, Strong Mind. Uh, basically, I am an online coach, so nutrition and exercise. And yeah, I've worked in the fitness industry for the last eight or nine years. I worked in a gym. Uh, in-person coaching maybe the last three or four possibly four online um, and just left my job in the gym a few weeks ago three or four weeks ago to pursue kind of fully online coaching and also because I am in year two of my master's in food nutrition and health a student of the nutritional sciences as you called it earlier I like that (laughs) Yeah, I just, uh, just I thought it deserved the the formal title. It sounds very formal. I, I do like it. <laughs> uh, so you've got a lot on. So you're you're studying and and you're working at the same time. Not a not an easy feat to manage. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, I suppose like I was I was in the gym. I did really. I I enjoyed my job. I was there for eight years. Uh, started the masters last year, first year, and just it was an absolute huge challenge to get it done if that makes sense between you know working a seven to eight hour shift every single day looking after your online clients and then trying to obviously uh, study and get a load of assignments done as well so I suppose it was just a case of over the summer I had a decision to make Um, it was something had to give and it obviously wasn't going to be the masters Uh, so yeah I just I, I I left my job basically in the last three or four weeks um, and I'm back into second year and just really enjoying things. I'm still kept busy. Like I've got on online clients and stuff like that. Um, and I suppose the plan over the next two years while I finish out the master's is to work predominantly online. I still do bits and pieces in person. Um, but yeah, just to kind of build my business over the two years as well. And just we'll see where it goes from there. Fantastic. Um, like I want to talk to you more about the business. But before we do that, um, you didn't kind of get into, uh, let's say, fitness and nutrition in the most straightforward of manners. No. Uh, and I was wondering if you might be able to tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your kind of your background and, and how you ended up becoming Philly Kinsella of Strong, <laughs> strong Body, Strong Mind. Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking me on and just the, the having to think about the whole journey thing it has been it's made me sit down and think about it which is pretty cool as well it, it is kind of uh unorthodox if that makes sense not necessarily in a straight line compared to you mr uh biological science and microbiology and um i didn't do any science subjects in school which is probably 
uh, fairly out of the ordinary, I suppose, for someone doing a master's. But my, my journey up through school college to here, I suppose, when I left secondary school, I actually went to study business studies, business studies and marketing. So I spent four years uh, studying my degree, didn't really like it, to be honest, even when I was there. Uh, so I would say to, <laughs> if there's anyone listening that kind of is, has just left kind of school or during college or they're unsure um, of what they want to do or anything like that, I suppose I was 35 before I figured it out as far as the master's goes. And it was my mid-20s when I got into the fitness industry. So uh, you've got plenty of time. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, when I left college, uh, my marketing degree, I went to work for one of the Irish banks. It was just before recession time when I got my job. So I worked there for two years. I didn't cause the recession. Um, I, I don't think I did anyway. That's your story. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. But uh, yeah, I was on a two-year contract, and unfortunately, around that time, nobody's contract, anyone that was on a contract, got kind of let go. Uh, yeah, so I I had to go back to work in retail to keep me tied over. I had worked in retail all the way up through school and through college uh, just to keep me going. Around that time, all around my 20s, my early 20s and my mid-20s, uh, I did suffer from really bad anxiety. Um, it was a really, really tough time, if that makes sense. So I suppose I started training just as something to try and grab hold of that, if that makes sense, uh, as as it being part of the, the cure to the problem. So I just started training. I just went out running. Then I kind of started going to the gym, doing a few bits and pieces, completely didn't know what I was doing at all. Just uh, copied whatever the other big lads in the gym were doing, the guys with the big arms. And yeah, uh, from there, just went and got qualified as a as a personal trainer. It was, I suppose, it's it's purpose as well, if that makes sense. So I enjoyed it at the time, and then I think if you're doing anything that you enjoy, you should always pursue that just to give you a purpose. Um, because as long as you've got a reason to get out of bed in the morning, generally it will help if you if you suffer from anxiety or anything like that. Um, qualified as a PT, got a job in a gym. As I said, I've been there for I was there for like eight or nine years, and I think naturally, if you get into the fitness industry as a trainer and you stay there for any amount of time, the whole nutrition end of things, like you will start to look towards that and go, like, how can I optimize my own results, my client results? And um, so I just started looking into it and got really, really interested in it. I think it was the second intake of Mac Nutrition, so maybe like two years ago, I signed up for that. That's where I came into contact with your good self, and we did our interview on the website. Thank you very much for that. Anytime, brother. And then, yeah, it was just great. You were obviously uh, an inspiration as well for me. I just think, you know, you could answer any question that was thrown at you. I'm quite lucky. So before I signed up for Mac Nutrition, and before we talk about the Masters, I'm actually pretty lucky that evidence-based nutrition and all the kind of you know eric helms mike israel uh, renaissance periodization alex ritz and whoever it is lyle mcdonald i was only ever really exposed to good information so i i count myself I, i'm yeah i'm lucky in that sense uh so i didn't really have to unlearn a whole lot of that made make sense as well uh when i went in to do mac nutrition spent the year there and then the obvious next step, Richie, was to apply for a master's. Was that the <laughs> obvious next step? I don't know. I just wanted a challenge. I remember, you know, uh, it, it's come up before about purpose and just keeping yourself busy. Um, 
And I know you had mentioned that I think in our interview, there's somewhere in there where you talked about I wanted to be constantly challenged. That kind of stuck with me. Um, and yeah, like it, it's I didn't do science in school, in secondary school. So it's obviously it's really, really tough. The master's is I, I've had to learn basically a lot of that stuff from scratch. But I can't picture life now not doing it, if that makes sense. It would have been yeah. a huge mistake to not do it. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's me. This is where I am now. And I, I'm happy enough just tipping away. Loads of work to do. Um, I know you've done one yourself, so the, the, the volume of work is bananas, but it's great. But uh, I think that's the most important thing. When you get into uh, education, be it like a master's or a PhD or anything like that, it really has to be something that you're genuinely passionate about because um, from my experience anyway, if it's, a, if it's a good master's or it's a good PhD, it's going to be running your ragged when it comes to uh to workload and stuff like that so yeah it's funny you gotta you gotta love it a lot of people uh, had said to me and i'm lucky enough that uh, as an online coach and even even in the gym i had a lot of clients that were really really supportive you know there were clients who were teachers there's a client who works up in trinity college there was clients obviously who had masters done and phds and they were all they all uh, were really supportive and pushed me towards it at the same time they were like you know it's going to be it's going to be a huge workload and you're not going to realize how much work it is. And in my head, you know, I was going, yeah, 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 fair enough. And then in my head, I was like, ah, oh, like, can't be that bad. Like, I'll be able to. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it, the volume of work is bananas. But really, really enjoyable. Uh, thoroughly enjoying it. I think the, you've made me think about why did I do it. Obviously, the, the sense of purpose and just to learn more about nutrition and maybe get a little bit more in-depth. But it is great as a nutrition coach that I can kind of go in and just pluck some ideas, if that makes sense. And um, it just helps you to think critically, as they say, and um, take what you need from it and just go and apply it with your clients, if that makes sense. Because there obviously is it gets so in-depth. There's a lot of stuff, honestly, that I won't use, if that makes sense, even in the future. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of really, really good information there. Uh, also. I've met some cool people, if that makes sense as well, even though it is online. Uh, there's a couple of people I'd be in touch with that just are really, really clever, really driven, and we just keep pushing each other along as we go, which is really, really cool. I, I, I think, uh, Philly, one thing that's absolutely kind of key when you're you're getting into this industry, like if you're getting into, we're speaking specifically about the world of fitness and nutrition or something like that, um, but when you get into it, I think the fact you, you realize fairly soon that you have to keep learning. There's never a point where you get like, you know, you, you've done a certain qualification and you say, oh, yeah, that's it. I'm good now. I, I, I've got it all. I know everything I need to know. Um, send, the, send the clients to me. What you're doing is like you, you realize that the more you learn, I suppose, the better you're able to, um, to work with your clients. Would that be right? Yeah, I completely agree with you uh, that it is, you know, if, if you plan on staying in the game for a long time, you just you'll have to have it in your head that you'll never have everything figured out. Like w when you look at when I look at my modules and in the masters or even in Mac Nutrition, when you look at everything, you can go so deep into any topic or subject. Like you can literally specialize in one thing and go as deep as you want. You can go deep, deep into the science. Uh, so if I suppose if you're if you're in nutrition and health or any kind of science subject and someone claims that they know everything, um they they definitely don't so and then i agree with you that uh, you should always be looking to 
you know, personal development, you should always look to continue to just push that as you move through your career. Your clients notice that as well. Um, so I have a lot of clients that they're with me since the start of Mac Nutrition, possibly even before that. And they can see what I'm doing as well. Uh, and I suppose as much as, you know, with food and exercise and nutrition, just as far as personal development goes, you're trying to lead the line and set a good example for your clients there as well. Um, just in, in life and that whole thing of having a sense of purpose. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's been cool. Um, so with the, the, the masters that you're doing now, so you've, you're at it, you've been at it for one year, you're going into your second year now. Have there been any things that you've learned that just kind of really stuck out, stuck out to you as being like, yeah, man, I had no idea about that. I'm so glad that I'm, I'm learning more about that area right now. Uh, it, it's funny you say it because it is it's cool at the minute I'm going through a module and the last couple of days I've been looking at the lectures and just doing a little bit of reading and um, pathways to health so we're just kind of learning I suppose it's it's something that you'd know about as well just even like uh, bone health skeletal muscle how important that is over time I know uh, you're you're doing your PhD sarcopenia is in there and um, mm-hmm. learning about diabetes because it's funny, I just looked at the diabetes lecture last night and I know someone recently in the family who was just recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and when you look at it, uh, like the rates, I think it's 90% overall is type 2, 10% is type 1 and type 2 is preventable mostly, you know, is in true, mm-hmm. true lifestyle choices. And then like, do, when someone gets diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, it's kind of I feel like it's thrown around as well. Do people really know how serious it is? And um, living with any kind of condition like that or any preventable condition, I suppose my job is to try and get people. I don't work with people who I don't have obese clients or I don't have anyone who has type 2 diabetes or anything like that. It's outside my skill set, really. So what I'm trying to do, I suppose, is make sure clients live a lifestyle that they'll never go near that, if that makes sense, um, hopefully. So pathways to help really enjoying that. Uh, one of the modules from last year, nutrients in the life cycle, was really really cool. So it just went through just the way things change over your lifespan. Um, there's a lot of stuff it went through as in nutrition around when you give birth, like breastfeeding and stuff like that, that I wouldn't have had a clue about. Put up some information about it, and obviously um, got some really good feedback from some of my female clients and just from people online. Um, and just you could probably read about it all day and, and look it up but the, the back and forth from clients listening to the actual people and the people who have to live through things is very very different the whole thing of like breastfeeding is the gold standard you know nutrition for a newborn child um, and even whatever it is the world health organization and it gets pushed that this is the way that things need to be and it's the best thing you can do for your child and then you'll get someone who will message you and say, look, I tried my best, but it just didn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I might have been a failure as a mother and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the, the whole crossover, I suppose. Getting into the Masters and coming from a more practitioner-based point of view, it was to try and merge the two um, and see if I could, I don't know, if it could just sharpen me as a practitioner, if that makes sense. Um Absolutely no, uh, and like I, I think you've you've um, you've skirted on something there that I kind of want to go into, and it's about this whole area of evidence-based nutrition, let's say. Um, and we've got 
two potentially distinct sides to it. So we've got uh, the whole practice of how it's done, and then we've got the evidence base from which that practice is based on. Um, and what you're doing is you're you're kind of melding the two together because you are you you started out as a practitioner, um, and then you got and that was as a PT, and then you got into nutrition. And like you said, you were very, very lucky with the, the type of nutrition that you were exposed to from the very, very beginning. How do you find that being a practitioner helps with your application of, let's say, evidence-based principles um, when it comes to nutrition? Um, I suppose being a practitioner, you are, you're dealing with people. Um, and the big thing that kind of, I think it was even a few weeks ago, uh, I don't know who I, I spoke to someone. I thought it might have been you, but I think it was someone else. And I said, that, like, the master's in, is great and the content is amazing. But you, you could go through the whole thing and get it done in the three years. I know I'm only in second year, but you wouldn't have a clue how to deal with a client or even to probably, you know, prescribe adequate nutrition to a client. Um, yeah, so. The whole thing, I think it can be really tough. When you're following evidence-based practitioners online, I think who are just higher up the food chain a little bit, and they can get into debates that aren't really practical for you as a practitioner as well. Um, so it could be even you see some of the the arguments going around about hypertrophy and volume and stuff like that. I know that that's more to do with training, but yeah the evidence-based vacuum you can get kind of sucked into if that makes sense um as a as a, as a practitioner i suppose working with clients dealing with clients the guidelines are actually fairly simple when you think about it really uh, it's more you know you're taking what you can as a practitioner from the evidence but the application with people dealing with people you're dealing with emotions you're you're basically trying to control them if that makes sense so I suppose, yeah, like, what can you take as an evidence-based practitioner? You can obviously take the principles and then just the method is up to you how you deal with it. I kind of got sidetracked there, but it's just, it's in my head as far as, you know, be careful as well what you're looking at online, if that makes sense, just as far as a practitioner goes, because you can kind of paralyze yourself and think, look at all this information, these arguments that people are getting into. You can, it can paralyze your ability to make a decision for your client i hope that makes sense um, so yeah just work with people is the, the really really big thing obviously upskill do your courses um, i think a mentor would be a really really big thing when i was doing mac nutrition i hired alex ritson as a coach like as a, a nutrition coach body composition coach but I got him to mentor me through it as well, if that makes sense. So uh -huh. if I ran into any problems with Mac Nutrition, I'd, I'd just give him a shout, give him a mail. And he just, he wouldn't give me the answer, but he'd send me like a study or something to go and look at and go, here, try and figure that out there. Um, if you can't figure it out, just come to me and we'll talk it through and I'll give you the answer. Uh, so I think that that's, that's really, really important too, to have a mentor. I still talk to him as well. Like I still... I can reach out and just mail them um, and just talk through stuff. So that would be really important as well. Um, I don't know if it's something that you would do, but I think if there's if there's anyone in, in the same boat doing any kind of a course or uh, trying to get qualified or get ahead, I think you would be someone that would be very good for someone to, to have as a mentor as well. 
having your experience. So I'm not so sure about that, but um, I think so. Like I, I, I think having a mentor and having an example to follow is a is a definitely a really really good way of going about it. Because like I know even when I started coaching, like I I had finished my masters, um, and I I wanted to get into coaching and. I really had no idea how to do it. So I kind of learned on the fly. And I know that my what I was doing, looking back on it now, what I was doing, some of it could have been a lot better. Um, but I'm also very, very lucky that I did get a little bit of indirect coaching from um, certain articles that I'd read online by, by other evidence-based coaches. But I think having that one person that you can kind of follow and that you can ask for feedback is is hugely important um especially when it comes to working with people because like you said you know you're you're doing your your masters now and you could go through the three years of it and you go to you could go through three years of any academic nutrition course and not have a clue how to work with people you could go through any nutrition course full stop and not have a clue how to work with people and at the end of the day your job is to work with people and help them achieve whatever their goals may be um so yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree. That, that. That. I think uh, it's just uh, I, I. It's funny because I was speaking to Alex recently, and I was talking to him about the masters, and he just goes, "By the end of it, you'll be really good at writing reports. You'll be able to read stuff, and you'll be able to write reports." But it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be good at anything else. Uh, if that makes sense, definitely not working with people. So that that is completely spot on. I think like it's the same with you. You know, when when I look back when I started out, I I have like a recipe book that I made myself and. You know, I took pictures of the food and stuff like that. And I can probably look back at it now and not even laugh at it as in I was working hard. But you will. You'll always evolve. Uh, and I think it's the, the mails that I get in on a Monday when my clients check in. That's where I learn, really, if that makes sense. Like they'll come up with some kind of real life issue where I have to deal with. Um, and that's where I think you, you can never get caught up thinking that I know everything. I know I don't, I don't know everything because everything hasn't come up with a client. Generally, like every month or so, someone will ask me something and I'll be like, I actually haven't dealt with this before. So I'll have to go and, you know, I will have to research it. I'll, if I'm not sure, I'll ask Alex. I could ask you. It's it's probably that's probably a good idea as far as mentorship goes. But even just your peers have people around you who are in the same industry, who are, you know, obviously evidence based practitioners and just morally and ethically. There are people who are aligned with you, uh, but just people that you can reach out to. Uh, so as far as evolution goes, I suppose we're always going to be evolving as coaches. Yeah. Um, and just on that, that point of evolution, uh, I suppose one thing about that is that we are constantly changing. We're constantly learning new stuff. We're constantly learning new information, new techniques about how, how to work with people. And just like you said there about like looking back and maybe laughing, on some, laughing at some of the stuff that you did a, a while back. I think, Philly, if, if you don't look back on what you were doing a few years back, and if you don't say, right, I could have been doing this better, I could have been doing that better, you know, there's possibly something wrong there. Either you're lying to yourself or you're just in a complete, you know, state of um, staleness and you're not advancing or progressing at all. But uh, yeah, I think being able to look back and kind of say, yeah, could have been doing that better or that was a mistake or yeah. I think that's kind of the, the nature of the beast as well, like with. Obviously, with evidence-based nutrition, you know, like with new research coming out all the time, you obviously have to stay on top of that. It's really, really important. I think the industry that we're in and like kind of us maybe specifically, if you're online, 
you know, you can look back at maybe Instagram is a big thing now and like three or four years ago it was Facebook. Things changed so quickly as well that even the platform that you were on or whatever, um, if I think back of recipe books and stuff like that, now you can just scan them into my fitness pal straight away. So, you know, there's barcodes on recipe packs for my fitness pal and just kind of technological advances, if you want to call them that. They just happen so quickly now. So if you have even some kind of a, a model or a even a way of thinking that's five years old, you're probably, you know, even three years old, you're probably a little bit left behind. So it's just the way things are. I think it's the way things are now with everything, you know, um, because of technology and social media, everything just changes so quickly. Yeah. And like, to be honest, that's, you know, we, you know, you and I were, we're working online now. And, you know, if you'd said to somebody 10 years ago, oh, yeah, I, I do all my work online with, with my clients, they'd have, they'd have looked at you funny, right? It's funny because a lot of people don't get that. Even my parents, they just don't get that now, you know. Um, I just, I tell them what I do and it's just, yeah, like, but I don't understand how, where, where, what's, where does your income come from? Like, you're just there, you're there at the computer. And I'm like, no, no, but this is what I do. You know, people, they pay me to do this. So it is, it's a little bit funny. Things have changed really, you know, drastically over the last kind of um, 10 years, I suppose, or even even less, even five. And it does make you think in the next five or 10 years, what's it going to be like as well? If if whatever it is, our, our brick phone from years ago, if you think back of it now and you laugh at it, are we going to laugh at our iPhones in a few years time? I don't know. It's everything is moving so quickly. But all you can do is, I suppose, try and keep evolving try and stay up to date with technology and always just try personal development yourself keep on top of things um and try your best Absolutely. um you mentioned one thing uh, as well that i really really wanted to touch on and it was that some of the principles that we apply when we're working with clients are pretty simple um and but despite that you know there's a lot of arguments online about um you know getting into the like you know the real you know, itty bitty details of like nutrition science and stuff like that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not one for getting into arguments online uh, as much as possible um, or, or arguments full stop. I'm not definitely not a fighter. Um, but so I, I want to bring up one point um, and it's, I'm going to use a little bit of an anecdote. So there is a, there is a doctor here in the UK at the moment, right? And he is, um, he is very, very successful at what he is doing. And what he is doing is getting the patients in his catchment area off diabetes medication, off insulin, okay? So he has saved the NHS in his area a ridiculous amount of money. He's incredibly successful because he is very, very good at getting his patients to follow a diet. Now, so he came to, to LJMU, to John Moore's University, to give a talk. Um, it's probably a year ago, almost a year ago at this point. Um, and just because of the particular type of diet he was um, talking about, I said, oh, I'm going to have to go along to this and, and check it out. And it was talking about like low carbohydrate diets. And I wanted to hear him out. And he had a very, very simplified way of dealing with his patients. He gave them literally one sheet of paper and he said, eat this, this and this. Don't eat this, this and this. So basically he had them off carbs and he had them eating more vegetables and more lean meats, things like that. Yeah. Simple, like it was incredibly simplified. Now, he did go on to talk about some of the, um, the, you know, the, the reasoning behind the diet. And I will happily say, not happily, no, I, I will confidently say that he was inaccurate with a lot of the metabolic things that he was saying. Um, 
But that doesn't take away from the fact that he was exceptionally successful at helping his clients get better health. And so I think there is a, a major kind of, let's say, um, a, a kind of a problem in thinking in the world of evidence-based nutrition at the moment. So it's, it's almost like people argue just to be right. Um, and like, I'm not saying that the way that this, this doctor works is correct. I'm saying the way he works is very, very successful, and we need to bear that in mind. Um, and it kind of comes back to what you said. The, the principles that we use are all very, very similar. The way we apply them is, is going to be a, a little bit different. And I don't know, if, I don't know how you, you might feel about that whole kind of area of like, you know, using different ap- approaches or different, different techniques with different people to help them achieve their goal yeah well like it's it's a really really interesting point that you've just brought up there that's that's so interesting that he's doing so much good um and if that the, the whole thing of you know diabetes or obesity is the fact that it costs the public health cost is huge so if you can just take people away from it you're doing a good job um you would hope that someone in his position would you know if you're saying some of the stuff that he was going through maybe the metabolic stuff or the, the the principles as far as he was incorrect in some way you would hope he would be open to be being corrected um and you would hope that any kind of evidence-based practitioner i suppose their the knowledge that underpins everything is factual and correct um unfortunately that's probably not going to be the case with everybody uh and then yeah like it comes back to as well the the whole thing of regulation in the industry if that makes sense, anyone can call themselves a nutritionist as well and just give out advice. Um, I know someone who signed up to some something a twelve week plan, um, and I had a look at it there the other night, and I said, "I'm after signing up for this plan." It was really, really expensive, and it, it's actually working really well for the person, like you said there. And I had a look at the person's website, and it's working really well for a lot of other people as well. Uh, but the the kind of science behind what the person is saying isn't necessarily legit so, so that's the the like what do you do there what way do you think do you go well like that person is getting results for someone fair play to them do you try and be the online evidence-based nutrition police and call them out it is it's really really tough is it one of those things where you just look at it and go how do we get a hold on everything as far as the industry goes i don't know but but that's the whole thing there as well of like i said practitioners they just practice if you can really really get caught up in the nitty-gritty of trying to debate people online and um you can get caught up in these arguments that you don't really need to get caught up in and you should be just helping your clients type thing more focus on that uh, as as far as you know, different techniques to help people. Everybody's going to be slightly different. The principles are the same. So, you know, it could be someone kind of in practice wise reacts really well to you giving them a really low carb diet or cutting out sugar even. But you would try and in, in my in my thinking, I would think you would always try and explain behind that that look, you don't necessarily sugar isn't bad this food isn't good this food isn't bad that you educate the person for longevity if that makes sense so when they step away from working with me or you or that doctor that they they kind of have options they have more than one kind of narrow path that they have to walk down to just try and keep the results all the time if that makes sense 
No, it absolutely does. I think um, why you say that about educating people, when you educate people, you, you empower, you know, you, you give them, like, like you said, more options, more paths that they can take and they can choose which one they want to go down. Um, my, my one, like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say anything negative against about what that doctor is doing right now, but I want to kind of bring up the point that what he's doing is, is very, very successful. Um, he may be using a little bit of, and I'm very cautious about using this word, um, fear mongering, um, to get the results that he's using in like, you know, that he has, like, I, I did see the page that he uses and it does say things like, um, you know, sugar is, is toxic, um, and stuff like that. And, you know, just, just things about white carbs and just avoiding them. Um, but it does help people. Um, and like, like, even if, if I was working with somebody who wanted to, to, to lose weight, you know, I, I'm, I would not say I use any specific approach. But I would say that when I'm working with somebody who wants to kind of lose weight, cutting calories from carbs is a very, very easy way to do that. Yeah. Um, and it just naturally happens. Um, but I don't consider what I use to be commonly uh, uh, a low carb approach. But then again, I'm also not telling people that they need to do it, but they want to, you know, happy to do that as well. I think it's really tough, Richie, because people, um, people are tough like as in working with people you know it can be quite difficult now i'm not not in a bad way at all it's obviously really really rewarding and this is their job and we love doing it and i do love working with people you, you learn so much and you grow so much as a person as well um but yeah people generally maybe they need to be shocked in some way or told in some way that something is bad or it's not good for them that if they're given the choice of you know it's not the worst thing in the world that they might always go back to you know that food or whatever it is you, you get into the, the area then of just eating disorders or anything like that or a bad relationship with food and you can see why it is so kind of complex um, and maybe that type of client who needs to be shocked kind of gravitates toward him and his method um, you, you do kind of do you attract the clients I suppose you do you attract clients with your methods and principles if that makes sense as well and that I think most people when they come to, to work with me they know that it's going to be some kind of a long haul. And I do question myself, like, should I really do some kind of 12-week challenge Challenge that I would get more people in? And um, anyone that comes to work with me, I always try and say, look, give me six months to a year type thing. We can obviously get great results, but it will take that long for you to, to learn enough about food and to ingrain the habits that need to be ingrained over time that after that amount of time, you won't need me anymore. And people are funny that way as well, as in, it's probably just human nature, but my clients that do go away after a year, or whatever, generally they'll come back at some stage as well and go, "Look, I need to get back on the wagon." Yeah, I've, I, I think I've, I've had the same myself. You know, some people just need that extra little bit of a accountability um, when it comes to, like, getting back on the wagon. Um, yeah, I think we all do, and it, it's like that with exercise as well. You know, um, and it's it's not simple like training and nutrition if if most of my clients are i suppose around my age demographic and probably like 35 to 50 maybe we're all adults you know they all have jobs and um, most of them have families and then you're trying to kind of fit all this stuff into your life as well uh, and it, it can be a challenge as well learning about food can be pretty tough um when you bring responsibility into it with training and food and stuff like that and you're trying to stick to some kind of a plan and you might have had a bad day at work or, you know, a tough day at home. There could be a sick child in the house. Uh, it does make everything fairly, fairly complex from both ends, I suppose, from coach and client. 
but all you're trying to do is just just work together to to come to some kind of you know common solution and generally if someone sticks with you long Absolutely. enough um just because you mentioned there. habits there um you know i i i understand how important habit change is when it comes to making the changes the lifestyle changes people need to like bring them down be- better health be it through uh weight loss or or you know establishing exercise habits are there any kind of habits that you tend to focus on regularly and i, and I don't want to kind of i don't want to to say is this what you use with every client because i know every client is different but there are there any kind of habits that you see you come yourself coming back to more frequently than others that you find are important to establish um when people are trying to kind of build their health i know no, like it's it's uh, i know every client is different but there will be some general teams i know you know some kind of intermittent fasting type restricted window type thing with clients is a really important uh it is really important for any client i think uh there there will be a point in the day for a client where there is a stretch where they're not going to get to eat food or snack if that makes sense so it could be like a two or three hour period i think if you're maintaining your weight or if you're trying to cut weight so to get someone into the habit of acknowledging that for a start is a really big thing with people i think where people uh, a lot of the time go wrong is basically throughout the day mm-hmm. they're too used to having food in front of them if that makes sense and they'll just eat or snack and there's, there's no kind of accountability there uh, so i suppose as far as the habit goes in that sense some kind of it could be three meals for you it could be four meals for me some kind of a pattern that you stick to definitely across the week if that makes sense so monday to friday and then the weekend is a little bit more flexible um, I think that's really, really important. If any kind of a chaotic eating pattern or even lifestyle isn't really conducive to someone taking control of their nutrition. So a first thing, not a first thing, but one of the main things I try and get someone to do is get them to find a pattern that suits themselves, if that makes sense. It can be different for every person, but generally, yeah, even like the timing of meals throughout the day, Monday to Friday, plan that out really important one i suppose habits group habits as well what i try and do with my nutrition clients a lot of them are in a facebook group together is even you know plant intake i'll run some kind of challenge where i try and get everybody to get their plant intake up throughout the week for certain certain parts of the month so the social aspect of something you're trying to ingrain habits there people are generally more likely to do it if there's a group doing it you can see other people doing it around you as well little bits and pieces like that i suppose it does come back to everybody is slightly different too as well does that make sense they'll probably have their own little quirks like i said with meals if people can get really used to having like a similar lunch or a similar snack in work which might be against the grain of what other people are doing in work uh, it can be a really really powerful thing to do over time and because you are slightly trying to reprogram people from years of bad habits if that Um, makes sense when it comes to, to working with people and kind of helping them with those changes or those, those habit changes, how do you tend to go about like establishing that relationship with people? Or do you find that that relationship is important for, for bringing about change or trust? Generally, like my approach to it is I really try and educate the person as to why they're doing what they're doing, if that makes sense. And um, so... 
I suppose the whole thing, my the foundation of what I do is to try and get people to learn about nutrition the, the, as kind of, I suppose, the principles that I learn about energy balance or whatever it is, that they have that and they know why they're doing what they're doing, if that makes sense. If you educate the person and let them know um, and don't just, you know, sensationalize something like sugar is bad, don't eat sugar or anything like that. If you can educate the client as much as possible as to why they're doing what they're doing, that will empower them it'll really get them to buy into things as well if that makes sense and um, like the, the, the timing of meals like i said it could be four meals a day you, you could position them to could be around training or something like that and you might explain to them well this is why you're having your carbohydrate and a little bit of protein before your workout that the way they work the way their day is scheduled it will help them train better so education is a really really big thing uh huge for buy-in and yeah that's it's probably my main kind of principle with habit that at the same time i'm always trying to just show Absolutely, them the why yeah, behind everything goes back to that whole um empowering your clients to so they know what they're doing as opposed to just telling them what to do that's the thing um and like my clients they would all have targets it could be something from hydration to taking your supplements every day to you know, if you're obviously in a cut or anything like that, you'll have a calorie goal. You'll have your steps. They'll come back to me and tell me how they got on throughout the day. Like, as I'm sure you do and any, any kind of nutrition coach has some kind of a sheet where they fill in. But they, they know exactly why they're doing what they're doing as well. Now, obviously, for someone coming on board at the very, very start, um, it's going to be some kind of a learning curve for them. But any of the clients that, that have been with me for a long time, they know why they're doing it. The habit is, is, is ingrained. And it's all, all almost automatic for them to do it. Um, and that's a really, really powerful thing, because when you look at even what I was speaking about at the start, like type two diabetes or anything like that, it's usually these bad choices over time. And sometimes you don't necessarily, you know, you don't know what's happening. You can't see it. It takes a long time for something to manifest in a bad way, if that makes sense. Uh, so I, it, it is obviously much more to somebody's benefit if they're doing these right things over time and um, that will just add to their health, their quality of life, their lifespan. Uh, so yeah, habits, habits and education, the two of them together, I think for me is, a, it plays such a big part in the quality of someone's life, but also longevity. And it's, it's hard for people to see that. So that's a big message that I push as well. Uh, long-term health and longevity. As much as people come to me for body composition, that's probably like, the main thing I nearly talk about um, when I'm talking yeah, I, to my clients. I, I think that's a fantastic approach because, like you said, most people will come to you with a specific, and you know, I, I think it's quite normal just for anybody in our line of work for people to come to you with a, a body composition goal. It's like I, I, I want to either you know get bigger and stronger, or I want to you know lose some of this body fat. Um, and I think you know, yeah, obviously it's your job to to help them achieve that goal. Um, but being able to help them and guide them to a healthier lifestyle overall, um, is, I suppose it should be a, a, a kind of a longer term goal that you can incorporate into, into everything. You know? Although, you know, like muscle gain and, and weight loss, there are points when they're, they're not necessarily going to be conducive to health either. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, you know, you're, you're, you're... When you first take a client on and they come and they look for body composition goals, it's definitely like, you know, we can do this and this is the time span or whatever. You know, you can make a decent amount of uh, progress with someone in a few months. But underneath it, to the side, it's like I'm ready to spring there over time to just feed them this information to go, 
this is why you need to continue to do this. It's really, really important. Um, yeah, the lecture yesterday was on bone health, like I'm learning all the time as well, how important it is for women. And all of us, once we hit 40, bone density and to continue to lift weights. And um, obviously, we've, we've touched on sarcopenia, you know, muscle wastage over time. It's just, it's funny because one, one of the books I, I read while I was away in it, it said, uh, and not like in a, in a cynical or, or a bad way, but life is suffering even when, you know, everything is going good. It's really, really tough. Um, so I just think that as well, you, you can be taken along and doing all the right things anyway, if that makes sense, and just try and add to your health over the years. Um, do that anyway, like things can go wrong. Okay, so I, I would prefer to have the cards stacked in my favor over time to have all these good habits, have all these good things in place where you're trying to add to your health as opposed to, you know, the whole thing of enough bad decisions over time. And you're probably going to end up with one of those type 2 diabetes or whatever it is. You might even overweight or obesity or, or something that might impact your health along the line. Problems with osteoporosis or falls as you get older. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. it's, um, it's a long like game. The, the cars are definitely not stacked in our favor. Um, if you kind of look at the, the more recent health stats, uh, we're probably going to be dealing, well, we're definitely at risk of, be, of dealing with a, a lot of those things in the future. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about um, in particular, just because you, you've made like a fairly major change from going, um, let's say, in person with your PT work to going completely online. Um, well, I know you've still got a few um, in-person clients as well. Um, what was it that brought about that change in you that, that kind of said to you, right, now is the time that I need to do this. Um, now is the time I want to kind of focus on um like potentially building my my online coaching business from here i just think growth richie i think you know you'll you'll probably get to a point at some stage everybody maybe does in their career where they feel they've just come to a point where i can't grow where i am if that makes sense um uh it was the whole thing as well of quality of life for me that I couldn't do both. Okay, so the, the last year was pretty much work and study, and they were the only two things I've done for the whole 12 months, really. Um, so you'll get to a point where you need to grow. I felt like eight years on the gym floor, you know, building your reputation over time, doing good work, learning as much as you can. The whole thing of learning how to form relationships with people uh, was really, really important over that time. So I, I almost felt like, I knew enough that I had earned my stripes in a sense that if there was ever a time that I was going to do it, it was going to be now as well. Like there's a few things in my life that um, it, it kind of, it not necessarily made it either, but it just made it easier, but it just made it feel like the time was right, if that makes sense. If I was going to do it, now was going to be the time. Um, I'm not married or anything like that. Don't have kids, no mortgage. So it was just a case of stay where you are and, that's it or you just leave and move on and try and aim for bigger things uh so yeah it was always push on always look to grow um even if you feel like i would the masters and that decision to leave as well if there's anyone out there going you know maybe i'm in a position where i can move on but i'm not really sure i'm having i'm in two minds over i would say just go for it like definitely go for it when i do think about the masters if i hadn't signed up for it i think that would be an absolute huge catastrophe for me I just I don't know what I'd be doing now. 
and then as well just leaving my job to pursue this everything just feels right if you're passionate about something if you've got a really really good work work ethic um i think if ethically and morally you're just you feel like you're on the right path and you're not some kind of shyster trying to pedal something um yeah just go for it just go just grow i think like like you said there there are so many people out there that we can help that need our help as well and there aren't enough of us i think there aren't enough really good nutrition coaches out there so yeah i just felt like everything was right everything lined up i I just went for it basically that you like you feel it was the right decision to do as well like you know because i I know sometimes we we make a big decision and as soon as you make it you're like oh what have i done um and i I think that's a a good point to reflect on whether it's the right decision or not or not someone said it to me the other day they were like man you've got some big brass balls doing this you know it's a really really big decision and i hadn't really thought about it like that um until they said it but yeah you just i don't know if you're just really really passionate about something like i really really was looking forward to starting second year and you know looking forward to trying to finish out the masters and just build everything and i i was nearly frustrated that i didn't have enough time to do everything i wanted to do from study and from my own online business from that point of view so if you feel like that if you feel like you're frustrated you don't have the time to do it you really really want to do it and it's what you're passionate about doing i think then the obvious choice was then to just kind of give up your job and go for it it's not to say that i i i really really love working in person richie like i love in-person coaching like you said i still have it i still have a few people that i coach at home and stuff like that some pt sessions and it's not to say that I won't go back to do it in the future. Um, but just for now, it just What's felt like the, the right um, decision. So obviously you're going to be studying for another two years now with the Masters. What's the plan after that? Or is there a plan at the moment? Oh, Richie, oh, I can't believe you asked me that. That's such a hard question. Because um, <laughs> it, it, it's funny. It's Before I went away, I, w- I was chatting to Alex and he... He gave me a few questions to mull over while I was away on holidays, and one would have, one of them was was what 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 challenges do you want to take on in the next five years? And the first thing I wrote down is not an academic anyway, no big academic cha- challenges because I won't be able to manage it. Um, but yeah, to be honest, in in the next two years, it is to try and get through the masters, build my online business, and just see where I fall at the end of the two years. Um, I suppose it just does come down to how you are as far as your own business and your income and stuff like that when the two years are up that with, with the masters see how things are going maybe think about a job in the food industry you do have choices if that makes sense so beyond two years I honestly don't really know and I have thought about it but I just I can't give you an answer there um because it's a really it is a really really tough question I'm just going to deal with the next two years as they come, just work I hard, just try my best and see where it takes a, me. a really pragmatic approach to it because, you know, a lot can happen in two years and especially when it comes to learning. Things change. Yeah, yeah, things can change. Best laid plans and all that as well. You could have some kind of a best laid plan. and Like, I mean, who knows what's going to happen um, in five years. I want to I wanna ask you this one, um, this one question before we, we, we end up. And if you could talk to yourself 10 years ago, and tell yourself Richie, something question. of value. What would it be? Um, 10 years ago, so I'm 36, 26. Oh, Richie, it's such a good question. Something of value. I suppose I would tell myself, look, you're on the right path. Um, 
and that everything is going to be all right as long as you work really, really hard. At that point in, in my life, I probably would have suffered pretty badly from anxiety, a little bit of depression as well. So it was a really, really tough point in my life. I suppose I go back and I tell myself, look, dude, everything is going to be all right. You're on the right path. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and as, as probably not insightful as that sounds, subjective to I me, it would have been really, really important. Like you said, subjective for everybody. Um, what you're going to tell yourself is a, that's a yeah. fantastic message. Um, Philly, how can people uh, find you um, online? Uh, oh, uh, my website is strongbodystrongmind.ie. I probably haven't been overly active on it recently, but I will start blogging again pretty soon. Uh, Instagram is Philly Kinsla, all one word. And then what else am I missing? Facebook. Yeah, Philly Kinsla Personal Training. So it's all a little bit kind of fragmented there, the names and stuff like that. Well, Instagram is my main platform Fantastic. and you can catch me. Um, so Philly everybody, um, I think Philly is probably one of the nicest people I've ever encountered in the fitness industry. Um, and Philly, you know, like you have been a massive help to me over the, over the couple of years that I've known you. And I'm very, very grateful to, to have you as a friend and very, very grateful that you came on to the podcast tonight. Um, so thank you and uh, i want to wish you all the best of success with your business and with the studies in the coming years thanks mate likewise sir thank you very much thanks richie and cheers Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Health Scientist Podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed and maybe even learned something from what we've spoken about today. Um, if you did, please, please, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps spread word of the podcast to new listeners. Uh, if you ever want to watch one of the podcasts live or ask questions to any of the guests, you can do so by following me on Instagram at be more nutrition. That's at B underscore more underscore nutrition. I'd also love to hear your comments and feedback about the podcast, so please feel free to comment on the podcast post or send me a message directly on Instagram. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'll be back soon with another podcast. See you then.